0: Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida.
3: And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 14th, episode 3079, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Happy holidays, horse friends.
2: Hey, y'all. It's Allie from Utah. I really need a saddle, so here's a song for you. Santa baby, slip Owen Tech under the tree for me been an awful good girl Santa baby so ship it here FedEx overnight (sighs) Santa baby I need a dress or saddle from you that's new my mare is so hard to fit Santa baby so bring me a new saddle tonight and Isabelle would help a lot gotta keep my seat right in that perfect spot my dressage sucks, but I'd be a hit If I had a saddle that's built for it Santa baby, I know that I just finally paid off the lot For my custom mono flap jump saddle baby But dressage is a whole different game Santa baby, bring a Wintec across the sea for me <laughs> Australia makes them real nice, Santa baby. So bring me a new saddle tonight. I would even take Wintech Light. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well done.
2: Dude, she's a great voice.
0: <laughs> I need to send these uh, Wintech songs over to Wintech so they can oh, use yeah. them for promotion. It's great. Uh, you know, it seems to be the Wintech dressage saddle, is what everybody has their eye on. You know, it, or
3: the Wintech Light, yeah. or the wider variety of equines, bless them, <laughs> wherever they are.
0: <laughs> so i got to ask, uh, the first time that uh, Farm Boy picked up the Wintec Light, it must have been amazing for him after all those western settles.
3: You know what? I don't think he's actually held it yet, so I will make him, and oh, I'll yeah. try to film it. <laughs> yeah, you do that.
0: He'll be throwing it over, and it'll end up in the next county. Like, <laughs> so, you <might>
3: even <laughs> this up there on... The- on the fat horse, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you have only two days left to enter. Head on over to horseradionetwork.com, click on the saddle banner at the top of the page, and you too can enter. The saddle giveaway. We're going, tomorrow's the last day that we're taking entries, and we're going to be giving it away on next Wednesday's show on the 21st. Kira, our spotlight rider, is going to join us, and she's going to help us pick the winner from all the hundreds of entries that we've had. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate everybody that's sending songs. There's going to be several today because they're coming in hot and heavy now. So we'll have uh, a lot more entries to play as the coming days happen.
3: You should have heard me trying to sing to Farm Boy yesterday. I'm like, okay, okay. I know you don't listen. But like, people are writing songs that are like about us, and it's hilarious. And like, this one person wrote this song called Glenn and Jamie, Mostly Jamie. I was like, that song is still stuck in my head. I love it. And he's just like, okay.
0: (laughs) I might have to bring that one back. uh, We're going to have to play that one again before, Uh, before the year is out for sure. Today, we're going to meet the hosts of the Practical Horseman podcast. The Daily Dose Health Report brings us Dr. Samantha Brooks, who's going to talk about a study that she's doing, plus some weird news to get you through your Wednesday. And then in the post-show, we're going to talk TV and luxury gifts. That's what's going to happen in the post-show today. Uh, I wanted to say that I've been watching all the news. I don't know if you've been watching Eventing Nation, but all the news coming out of the U.S. Eventing Annual Meeting. And, of course, Boyd Martin, one rider of the year for the sixth time in a row I don't know if it's in My a row Lord. but it's it's for the sixth time so uh boyd thanked all his uh, his his gang his staff because you know you can't do that level without a whole bunch of people helping you out uh, and he was pretty humble about it but six times rider of the year in the united states time to awesome. share the love they what One of the things I found most interesting, though, came out of the Safety Committee Open Forum. John Holling, who's one of my neighbors, uh, discussed a new frangible pin device that a Colorado-based amateur named Dan Michaels has been developing for several years. So with the current frangible pin devices and the MIM clips, you have to hit it at a certain directional force to activate it for it to work and then the log or whatever it is to fall down but you have to hit it at a right angle with a certain amount of force for that to happen apparently this one that michaels is working on can trigger if it's struck from multiple different directions so, uh, it makes it much safer because, you know, if you're hitting it at an angle or whatever, it, it'll go down. So, they're going to be testing it this year at various locations uh, in real, you know, real world use case scenarios. So, we'll see what happens with that, but it could be a new type of frangible pin that's even safer than the other ones, which we definitely need. They're also looking into making, get this, a full face bicycle helmet, full face mask bicycle helmet. I think football helmet only for bicyclists, uh, which reduces head and neck injuries in bicycle racing. They're looking at making that and getting it approved as a helmet for cross country because it also protects the face getting kicked or you're face first into a jump or whatever. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. I have not seen a picture of this particular helmet that they're they're talking about.
3: It sounds very cumbersome from your description.
0: Yeah, but the the bicyclist's helmets are pretty sleek. They're not, you know, they're not like football helmets. Uh, they're pretty sleek in design. So I don't know what's going to come of that one, but they're looking at that. And of course, with all the helmet talk. And then, uh, CEO Rob Burke shared that the safety committee is also speaking with Virginia Tech. Remember Virginia Tech Lab? All, uh, it's all we've talked about for a week. They're, trying to convince them and trying to get the money forward to check the effectiveness of air vests. So uh, to get them to test air vests as well. So they're they're working on a whole bunch of safety things. There was a whole bunch more to that. Of course the venting is the you know one of the sports that we really talk about safety a lot. Uh, because of I the I want them to risks. test
3: regular vests because I feel like there's such a variety of regular vests that you can use. Like I used to have like the tipperary, the little like Layered, you know, little pieces, and I never felt like that. And now I have the Charles Owen vest, and man, I really like that more solid,
0: not the little pieces. Yes.
3: Lucas, like, can I punch you? Can I punch you? (laughs) Yes, punch me right in the back, you know, and I felt like it covers my, um, clavicle really a lot better. I, I don't know. It just, I would love to hear that. Now, as far as the air vests go, I've seen those work. Yeah. I mean, how yeah, many times have we been work. at Land Rover? And uh, <laughs> like, I, it makes me cry because like these people would be like airlifted off if they didn't have these air vests on. So it's, pr- it's pretty awesome. I'd love for them to ch- test just test regular
0: vests. Yeah, you're right, because there are so many different designs of those, uh, widely different designs yeah. of the regular vests. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. But I'm glad they're looking at all of that over at the USEA convention. And now it's time for some Daily Winnie's. Happy birthday to our auditors, Caitlin Kennedy and Jen Vale. Happy birthday to both of you. Also, I want to thank the hosts that showed up last night uh, for the HRN Hosts Holiday Party. We recorded that, and it'll be going out on this feed and several of the other feeds. Uh, Auditors, you'll be getting it first. Uh, It was a lot of fun. It was the first time we've done one of these where we didn't have any sound issues at all. It was really good uh, that way. And we, we actually were on video, so we could all see each other. I think it's the first time we've ever done that, too. So... So it was fun, and we can't wait for you guys to hear it. That'll be coming out uh, over the holidays, so you'll hear the the uh, host's holiday party. And It was
3: really fun. It's a good time.
0: We missed Joy from Retired Racehorse Radio. Uh, she had a cold really bad and couldn't join us, and I think she gave it to me because I feel like crap this morning. So, uh, yeah, so thanks, Joy. Works. I didn't even see her, and she gave me a cold. Um, thanks for that. Appreciate it.
3: Well, I, I got sent this story so many times in weird news that I thought it maybe deserved an entire Daily Winnie
0: <laughs> Uh-oh.
3: Um, because it was, it's about a six-year-old girl, and she lives in Los Angeles. And she, I mean, she's smart. She's smart because she wants a unicorn gun. But she realized that maybe L.A. County doesn't allow unicorns to be housed in the city. So what she did was she wrote a letter to the Los Angeles County Department of Animal Care and Control with this request. And it's in her handwriting. Dear LA County. I would like your approval if I can have a unicorn in my backyard, if I can find one. Please send me a letter in response from Madeline. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> I know. And so, you know, the, you can toss that or you can be like director Marsha Maida, who obliged a few weeks later and wrote her a letter back. The good news The department does, in fact, license unicorns, she said, but only under certain conditions. Okay. Here's the conditions that they wrote back to her. You have to polish the unicorns horn at least once a month with a soft cloth. You have to feed it watermelon at least once a week because that's its favorite food. You have to cover it only with non-toxic and biodegradable sparkles and give it regular access to sunlight, Moonbeams and rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> so they did send her a pre-approved unicorn license for her future pet, gave her a certificate and a license tag, and they put it on a stuffed unicorn and they mailed it back to her. How sweet is oh my that? God, they
0: made her life right I there. I
3: know, and there's a, it's like a certificate and it says. L.A. County Department of Animal Care Control unicorn license. Miss Madeline Blank has been issued this pre-approved unicorn license on the 30th day of November 2022 and signed by Marsha. And it's just adorable. It's so cute. And I just I love it when people go that extra mile. And that is what Marsha
0: did. There's a human at the uh, animal place in L.A. Yeah, That's, (laughs) that's, that's what I heard. That's terrific. She'll have that forever. She'll cherish that. And if you do find a unicorn at any point, please call us. We would like to have you on the show.
3: Now, Glenn, you mentioned the holiday episode that we did last night, and you did put up a post in the auditor's Facebook page asking people questions that they might have for um the hosts. And there was a lot of questions that were fantastic, asking suggestions and asking about traditions. Now, we covered a lot of these in the show that we recorded last night. When is that coming out again?
0: Uh, It'll be out on the different feeds over Christmas week.
3: Okay, Christmas week. So one of the questions that you didn't get to was one from Patty. And and it's it's many questions in one. uh, But I was curious about how you and Jennifer handled this. Uh, The question is, when do you start decorating for the holidays? Sooner than she would like. (laughs) Do you decorate? If so, how long do you leave them up? Is it a family thing or is it one person doing it all? You and everybody else is what she called a Grinch. What do you guys do decoration-wise?
0: Well, I want to start sooner than she does, but she wants to leave them up longer than I do. So I always want to start, like, the day after, th- I do the decorating day after Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, I, th- I think I did almost all of it this year. So the day after Thanksgiving, I do the decorating. But if it was up to her, they would be up till February. She would just leave them up. And, matter of fact, many years we've left them up to close to February.
3: Now, what decorations do you put up?
0: Well, this year, because we have the new house, it was kind of fun because it was new, right? So you got to decorate something new. So we do the tree and I decorate my office as lights everywhere. I get a lot of poinsettias. So there's a lot of poinsettias, <laughs> way more than Jennifer would like. Um, and then I decorate, there's stockings hanging everywhere. And I even decorated the outside this time. I tried to find the great big Clydesdale blow up horse.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I couldn't find one. So we didn't get that. Um, but yeah, I wanted to put him between the two. I thought he would look really good. We have two palm trees in our front yard. I thought he would look really good between the palm trees. Uh, but uh, that didn't happen. So I did put lights <laughs> outside because every other place we've lived in has been a farm. You put lights outside, you're the only one that sees it.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so you like lined your roof and your windows. Well, no, I, didn't go and-
0: I put some lights on the porch. And let me tell you, I did not spend hours wire tying them all up. I just kind of draped them everywhere. So, <laughs> so what I say it's is decorated It's loosely decorated
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's, Yeah,
0: But I sad. guarantee you They will be up until February Because that's Jennifer's thing I would take them down about New Year's She just wants to keep them up forever
3: it, Does she want to keep them up Or is she just like mm,
0: No she wants to keep them up, up. Uh, And then the one year during COVID, we did the thing that a lot of people were doing. We kept the tree up and we redecorated it for the seasons. Oh, God. So we decorated it for Valentine's Day and then we decorated it for Easter and then we decorated it for summer and then fall. We kept it up all year.
3: I hope it's a fake tree.
0: Yeah, it was a fake tree. (laughs)
3: Yeah, so it's
0: it like a the bald yeah, Charlie
2: Brown right. thing. That's
0: right. One needle hanging on it. By... No, but we did that during COVID year because, let's face it, there was nothing else to do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What about you? Do you decorate or just Chad decorate?
3: I am I am not a huge fan of tchotchkes. Like, just stuff. Yeah, your house and is not
0: full filled with stuff.
3: No, I no. don't like a lot of stuff. I think it's because my mother, uh, she has just stuff everywhere and like you can't even set your plate down on the counter because there's stuff everywhere I'm like why do you have this plastic bouquet of flowers well that's because one time I was at a garage sale and Larry said I should she's got a story for everything so no tchotchkes for me so basically my child who was nine mom can we please decorate for Christmas this year we did decorate we have a tree (laughs) but can we just put some lights up or something do you have any lights? Well, no, but can we get some? And I'm uh, here's my answer. Do you know that those things cost money? And would you rather have lights or presents?
0: Well, <laughs> you are a Grinch. You're the <laughs> no, Grinch. Dude, I'm the worst.
3: <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm like, don't. And then Chad's mom, like, every every year, Chad's gotten an ornament his entire life. And he is like, "I'm going to put this one on the tree." Well, that's and a lot of ornaments. In mark. <laughs> yeah, and a marker like 1977. You know, and I'm just like, it's broken, and it's throw throw it away. It's garbage. And he's like, we have to say, and then there's like Santa flying in an F-16 statue. Oh, you have
0: to have that one.
3: Why do you have to put it? No,
0: that one one needs to go (laughs) up. I'm with him on that.
3: Like it's so much stuff. Like I don't want all this stuff. So I've limited our Christmas decorations to one plastic bin. And the main thing in the bin is stockings for all of us. And then there's a stocking for every one of our dogs. (laughs) And I'm always like, and here's Tank's stocking. Here's Denny's stocking. Did Homer get one? Homer has. what We are repurposing one of Lucas's old stockings, so <laughs>
2: Homer gets had, leftovers. Had
3: Avengers on it, so yeah, he hand gets me a downs. Leftover, but yeah, he definitely gets a stocking. I have to. Rec- he requires things to chew at this point, so yes, he will have a stocking full of chewy toys. Um But yeah, I. I don't know. I. You, you know what? We did get, I know it's terrible. Well, we did get years ago. My dad went to Lowe's or Home Depot or something after Christmas. I was trying not to swear. Um, and bought one of those ginormous. It's a blow up, and you'll love it. It's a blow up inflatable minion with a snow globe. And the <laughs> snow globe is like two stories. I always tall.
0: wanted that one. <laughs> yeah.
3: I have it. And the Minion's like wearing a scarf. Did you and, put
0: that at the barn to scare the horses?
3: Yeah. Here's the thing. The wind in Oklahoma does oh. not allow <laughs> things like that to be sitting in your yard. And it's so funny because there's, you know, when you drive around at night, everybody's decorated for the holidays and you can tell the windy days because everybody's inflatables are deflated laying around the yard. She says, i a plug it. The wind's coming. A plug it. So, yeah, uh, Patty, I am a little bit of the Grinch. I just don't like tchotchkes. And to be fair, I really don't like extra work. Uh, So... (laughs) being like you know what we got a tree yes did I intend on having a four foot tall tiny ridiculous bald half bald tree no but it was on clearance last year okay and so that's what we have and all the lights on it work and so I didn't have to string any extra lights it was just like set it up plug it in put the ornaments on it we can only fit like 12 so pick 12 and let's move on
0: That's the problem with those pre-lit trees. We had two we plugged in this year that they didn't, half of it didn't work.
3: But that's like, why I bought it. Because I'm like, why do I have pre-lit Christmas trees when you plug them in? Half the lights don't work. They so have to string up lights yep. anyway. I'm like, that's it. I'm buying an extra. I'm buying a new one. I've These are all hand-me-downs. I'm buying a new one. And then I bought the stupid new tree after Christmas last year. And I didn't open it until this year. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's smaller than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing. You forgot so, to read yeah.
0: the label that said three feet. I
3: don't feet. know. It looked bigger <laughs> on the picture. <laughs> How many that's times funny. do you do that? You buy something and it comes in, and you're like, "Oh, that's tiny." <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what happened with our tree this year. And yes, there is a there is somewhere in a box is a minion that's inflatable. I don't know where it is. I don't really care. Uh, I don't really want to put out any. Garland and all that crap that sheds everywhere. Okay, Look, I, I just made a note blocks. to send
0: Lucas about a hundred strings of lights.
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> don't. Please, I can't take it. <laughs>
0: Too That's much funny.
3: stuff. I don't need any more stuff. You know what? I have Christmas in my soul, okay?
0: I don't think so theory. at this rate. I don't think it's there, actually.
3: <laughs> it's inside me, okay? Okay.
0: All right, let's go meet another one of the shows. Uh, the host of the shows that's coming on the Horse Radio Network from Equine Network, and I want to—we're highlighting all of the shows. Uh, we're trying to do one a week here. Uh, they have like fourteen or fifteen different shows over there, but we want to introduce you to them and their hosts, and uh, they're a lot of fun. So we're going to be speaking to Julia and Sandy, who are the hosts of Practical Horseman podcast. We also are going to talk a little bit about Practical Horseman's fifth. Fiftieth anniversary coming up. Well, hi guys! Thank you so much for joining us here on Horses in the Morning. We really appreciate you being here.
4: It's great to be here.
0: So, Sandy, having me. Well, Sandy, I want to start with you, Practical Horseman. Fifty years this year.
4: Yep, yep. Uh, it's uh, twenty twenty three. Is our fiftieth anniversary, and uh, uh, the first issue was in the january in January of seventy three, and it actually, a little known fact, it was in Alpha outgrowth of the Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association's magazine. So it had a lot to do with racing initially and then uh, it it had training as well, but that sort of morphed over the years. And uh, its first sort of feature training piece was in uh, December of 1981. You
0: know, I I grew up in Pennsylvania and it's amazing how many you got to chronicle. There were a lot of magazines out of Pennsylvania.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It's was horse country and still is.
0: The, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was called. There was a huge newspaper that came out like every week in Lancaster County, the Farmer's Journal or something, Lancaster Farming. And it was that thick. I mean, it was huge. And it would come out every week and come to your mailbox and take up the whole thing. And it was all ads. It was nothing but classified ads. Wow. Uh, well, it's the only place the Amish had to advertise. So that's where they put it. <laughs> it was in the farming magazine. So what's changed with Practical Horsemen over the years?
4: Um well as i said the the initially there was a little bit more racing uh involved but uh sort of morphed into training and how to um it uh you know and i think that's sort of been what we've done it's it's sort of what the readers want um have been doing more healthcare so uh that's that's increased over the years as people have asked for it um we've we've had sort of a rotating group of uh columnists. Um, but it's definitely fun, you know, we kinda looking back at some of the trainers and it's fun to see um, you know, photos of like Ann Krasinski, you know, and and Leslie Burr uh Howard uh you know, back when they were winning medals in nineteen, you know, the nineteen eighty four Los Angeles Olympics. So it's
0: interesting. You know, as a horse husband, I married into this. But I, you know, I met her in '88, and one of there were some magazines that stood out to me as a horse husband that just seemed like they've been around forever. And Practical Horseman, Equus, you know, uh, and Chronicle, of course, because we were in that area. Even so, those are the ones that just stand out to me as a horse husband that I would see, you know, around the house all the time.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is that there's a chance that my fiance could become a horse husband. Because as of right now, he's
1: not a horse person. <laughs> well, whether he so becomes a husband
0: hope. is a different story altogether.
1: You're
0: giving me hope. <laughs> whether he becomes a husband is entirely up to you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, I, you know what, Julia? We could have an entire episode on this. And if you want to, I could get him on and talk him right out of it. So, Because I have all the reasons not to, too. <laughs> no,
5: I you to talk him into it.
0: Okay, all right. I can help with that, too. <laughs> so speaking of Julia... You're one of the co-hosts of the podcast. Tell us about the show. What do you guys do?
5: I am. um, Just to give our little spiel, um, on the Practical Horseman podcast, um, our guests are some of the most highly respected riders and experts in the industry. And we love to get them on and hear their stories. Of course, get training tips that everyone can take home after listening to the podcast and apply to their own riding and their own horse care. Um, And we just talked to some really fantastic people, Um, like I said, from riders to, you know, I talked to uh, Carrie Caring for one episode, who is an advocate for We Ride Together. So it's anything from riders to just people in the industry, you know, um, spanning all over, and we hear their stories and get to know their backgrounds and lots of other wonderful things about them.
0: How long has it been going, Julia?
5: Oh, gosh. Well, I started with practical... It'll be almost two years. Um, It'll be two years in February. So it's been going on for the two years I've been on the team. And then Sandy, I think it has had been going, I don't know, a year or two before that.
4: Yeah, we started, uh, I think, in late 2019. We had a a, kind of a few and then really got going in 2020.
0: That's terrific. You know, uh, it, and I'm very excited that it's now part of the Horse Radio Network. So you you guys are on the website. You're part of the uh, All Hosts feed that we put out. So we have a – or All Shows feed. So we have a, a feed for the Horse Radio Network that's all the episodes of all the shows, and you're part of that now. So we want people to go check it out. They can go to com and find it. They can go to where any podcast player that they're listening on right now. Just search for P- Practical Horseman podcast. Julia, do you have a favorite episode from this year? It's that time of year when we always ask this. And as a host, I hate to be asked that question because you know I've hosted a couple hundred, so it's always hard to pick one. But do you have a favorite?
5: I do, actually. And it was one of my more recent ones. I got the chance to speak with Daniel Blumen after his win at the National Horse Show. And um, he just said some really amazing things. And one of the things that stuck out to me was about when he is training students um, he talks about how every rider basically has different conformation as horses do. And I find that, um as a rider, we're always looking to be perfect and ride a very certain way. And Daniel discussed how with each of his riders, he kind of allows them to ride in, you know a position that's whatever's comfortable for them. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you know, you're built differently, you know, I'm d- built differently than another rider. And the way that I use my body, effectively is probably different than another rider uses her body or his body. So um, hearing that from him at such a professional level when I feel like such a theme in the, in the horse world, especially the hunter jumper world is to look perfect on a horse and just hear him kind of accept that. I really love hearing that from him. Um, so I think, and then the rest of our conversation, we talked about a ton of wonderful things um, and especially his really just his love of horses um, and how he seriously made his way up from being 10 years old and watching these heroes of the sport and saying, you know, I want to be one of them one day. And now here he is, you know, so he was a wonderful person to talk to. And i probably say he was my favorite was, interview. Was, here.
0: was that a recent one?
5: It was back in, I think October was the national horse show. So oh, a couple actually ago. it was
0: November 18th. So oh, that was very recent. Yeah. Yeah,
5: that was that re- I can't even believe it's been that long. I feel like the fall is so busy with <laughs> we you know, with indoor season and everything. Um yeah, so it was it was pretty recent, but yeah, we had a great conversation. I think that was one of my top my favorites from this year.
0: Terrific. And people can find that of course on any podcast player. All right, Sandy, mm-hmm. your turn to put you on the spot.
5: Yeah, it is. And it's hard
4: because I think what I love um, about, you know, a lot of the guests, we ask similar questions, you know, about like, you know. Uh, how do you handle nerves and what's your training philosophy and what do you think's a a good horseman? And I'm always amazed at like, there's just nuggets of information that I'm like, wow, I never thought about like that. But, um, a recent one that I just did is actually another Daniel, Daniel Coyle. He uh, rides represents the Irish team and I interviewed him at the Washington international horse show. Um, he had just won, uh, the Thursday night class, uh, with his horse legacy. But the part that I really liked about it is, um, we were talking about his uh, second horse, Oak Grove's Carlisle, who he had just tied for uh, the Puissance. And I think that they, he and McLean and Daniel's brother, Jordan, all tied with their horses. And I want to say they jumped six six feet, two inches. But anyways, we were talking about Carlisle. And uh, Daniel said, I, I was just talking about like um, training him. And he said what he had to learn to do with him is when he's in the competition arena um, that he basically had to do nothing. And he said that was the hardest thing. And he said, it's the hardest thing for a rider to do, but that horse, that's how that horse went the best. And the horse had been ridden by two European Olympians. um, And Daniel had gotten on and has, has had won and has been winning. And he really, he just talked about, you know, like obviously at home, he has to train him quite, you know, train him and make sure he's doing all this stuff. But once he gets in the ring, the horse really just wants him to leave him alone. Like, and I was like, really, you did that going up to galloping up to a puissance wall. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's really just kind of just sit there and keep telling yourself to do nothing. And I think what I liked about it though, is he was very cognizant of doing what was best for the horse and not like, I want to make this horse do what I think he should do. Um, And also figuring that out. And uh, I think he had said something like, well, you know, if the two Olympians... You know, he was asked at a show, you know, how, how did you, how were you able to ride him so well? And he said, well, I kind of figured these guys knew what they were doing and had to try this, their approaches that I would, I would try this approach. So I just love, I'm a a bit of a training Greek, so I love it, you know, when they kind of give you their training insights.
0: And I, you have two different kinds of episodes on your uh, on the Practical Horseman podcast feed. You have the interviews, and then you also do something you call the FOD Pod. Uh, so what's that, Julia?
5: The FOD Pod um, is our mini-sode series, and FOD stands for Practical Horseman on Demand, which is Practical Horseman's Video on Demand website, where um, you can find videos of experts in the sport, in the hunter-jumper um, eventing, and... Um, Equitation disciplines, and you can learn from them online. You watch their videos, it's like having a, a virtual lesson with them. And for the FOD Pod, we take uh, small clips, small audio clips from an episode with any of those trainers, and we rip out a part that we thought was really cool about that episode, and then we just turn it into a little mini so that's typically between like, I don't know, three minutes and 10 minutes. Um, and then people get to hear a really cool training tip from some of our trainers on the website.
0: I had one of the recent ones with with one of my friends and actually one of my neighbors here in Ocala and that's Buck Davidson was on there. He's been over to the studio many times to record. So uh, I saw he was one of the recent ones.
5: Yeah, I love Buck. Um, That training tip actually uh, came out of a video shoot that I went down to Ocala for with him. um, And he was one, he pulled out so many analogies and incredible metaphors in that training session that just stuck in my head, leaving, that I was like, I have to put these on the Fod Pod. Like, it's just little things that people will take with them. He was wonderful.
0: Yeah, he's full of those uh, all oh, the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, yeah Julia, so,
5: Julia did a story with him, and mm-hmm. it was
4: based on all those analogies for the magazine. So yeah,
0: cool. I mean, he's just full. Next time you do that, you're close to me. You have to come visit.
5: Oh, I didn't. I had no idea. Yeah, Absolutely. literally. I
0: would love to. At our old farm, we, we could have uh, thrown a stone to his farm. Uh, we've moved since then, but we're still not far. So, yeah, he's a good guy. That's terrific. Well, you can find this, at, as I said, on any podcast player. It's the Practical Horseman podcast. We're so excited that it's now part of the Horse Radio Network, and that I get to work with you guys. So that's fun, too.
5: Yeah, we're thrilled.
4: Yeah, we're very excited.
0: Well, this episode is sponsored by Stateline Tech and it's that, uh, well, it's that shopping time. It's almost over. You gotta get your shopping done now, today. Go to statelinetech.com and they ha- click on the banner on the homepage. They have a holiday store with a whole bunch of different gift ideas. Now, these are gifty gifts, right? Uh, so, uh, they have everything from wall hangings to, uh, to sweaters to shirts to, uh, to uh, key holders just all different kinds of stuff they also have leather picture frames just all the artsy kind of stuff but they also have the trailer eyes camera bundle now we have the trailer eyes camera bundle that we use occasionally when we're hauling the horses the thing i like about those is they just clamp on that the you just clamp on the cameras they don't have to be mounted permanently
5: Mm-hmm. and
0: everything's wireless. So you just mount them on back there, or we've used them at times when we've had to back up uh, in a place that's kind of hairy, and we don't have a backup camera behind the trailer, so you just mounted the back of the trailer. You can do that. So there's multiple uses for the trailer eyes cameras. They have those bundles there right now if you want to get somebody. Now that's $500, so I assume you have to really like the person. You
3: know, I got to you, I was just telling my husband yesterday, I was like, I need more horse friends that are local cool because i love buying christmas presents for horse people it's so much more fun than like buying so so we have that hrn holiday auditor gift exchange yes and i have did that happen this year yes i like pour myself into it emotionally and really get involved i have one horse friend larissa who i I like my favorite thing to do is like okay what does she need and like go like deep in thought and try to figure it out and like this auditor gift exchange is like the other horse person I get to buy for. So, and I'm not telling you who it is.
0: You'll find out.
3: Uh, so, it's been, that, that part's really fun. So, I love the gift idea from Stateline Tech. It's for like, such a
0: Grinch, all. you do like something about the holidays.
3: I love giving presents. <laughs> I'm awkward at receiving them. Yeah, you kind of are, actually.
0: Them. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, know. I
0: Discovered that in past years.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm 45. I've been through this a few times. <laughs>
0: So, Stateline Tech, the other thing they have that that was new this year that I didn't see before was the Holiday Elf Quarter Sheet. And it is really Christmassy and really fun. Is
3: it because, like, Homer ate... Miles is Christmas hat.: Oh, this so quarter sheet's cool.
0: It's very I Christmassy. Need,
3: I've already got my:
0: boots It's green and, and my red and <gasps> has fringes oh, and, and yeah, it? holiday elf uh, quarter sheet. Look that up, go to statelinetac.com. It's 32 bucks. You can order it today. They appear to have some left, so uh, but they have a lot of Christmas stuff this year more than usual. You know, we didn't have this cool stuff when I was, when we were selling in our store. There's really a lot of holiday stuff now for horse people. So head on over there, check it out statelinetac.com. And now it's time for our Daily Dose Equine Health Report, Non-GMO Core Nutrition for Horses and Ponies of All Ages. And we have, returning back with us, is Dr. Samantha Brooks. She's Associate Professor of Equine Physiology at the University of Florida. And she's talking about a study they started called Get a Leg Up Study. And she was the one that was on a, a month or two ago, if you remember, talking about whirls and do worlds and behavior go together? That was a fascinating talk, so we'll find out what she has for us today. Well, Dr. Brooks, thanks for joining us again. We really appreciate it. We had lots of good comments after the world's discussion we had last time.
6: Oh, thanks for having me back again. It's lots of fun
0: so you uh, we're having you on to talk about something called the leg up study. Is that how to get on your horse? I thought we had accomplished that one, but uh, maybe not. <laughs>
6: Right. Well, I always feel like I could use a little help when uh, getting up on my horse. But um, no, actually, I want to tell you guys about a couple of citizen science initiatives that uh, we've done here in the Brooks Equine Genetics Lab. And the first one uh, we started many years ago, it was called the Get a Leg Up on Genetics Project. So um, a lot of people find genetics to be pretty challenging. Um, There's a lot. To keep track of a lot of data, you can learn about your horse, and but sometimes it's kind of hard to sort out what's going to be useful and and um, where you should go for your information. So, in this get a leg up project, it was really unique because we partnered with 4-Hers, so youth participants who are in horse 4-H clubs, which is just a great age to get folks excited about science because the kids are so curious and they're interested in what they can do and future careers. Um, So for that project, we really, we aimed at, at the kids. And the fun part is, is, uh, you know, they all had horses that they were using for their horse projects and they got to go out and actually measure their horses. They used measuring tapes to, to learn about the size and shape of their horses and uh, they learned a little bit about the scientific method as they did that. And then at the end of the project, they sent us the, the data, the measures, and they sent us a pulled swatch of hair, which we used for DNA. And all those horses that those 4-Hers had gone out and measured uh, ended up going into actual research studies um, that we did in the lab. It was, it's a lot of fun. Oh, I'm wow, that's
0: cool. That's a great way to get them involved, too. So what did you learn? Did you have a conclusion from this study?
6: <laughs> well, it was really neat because they sent us so many horses. Um, I was really amazed at, at all the hard work that these kids went to. Um, they did an excellent job. You know, it was Measuring tapes are not high-tech, right? But it can go wrong, especially with horses, right? Um, So, But the kids did a great job. They almost, honestly, sometimes they almost did better than the adults, right? Um, But they they learned about how to keep, you know, really accurate records, and they filled out all the data sheets, and those uh, those data went into a couple of projects. Um, One of the projects that they contributed to was actually learning about the genes that uh, control withers height. Really? In horses. Yeah. yeah. And which, you know, we all we all think about like when you're shopping for a horse, what do you what are your criteria, right? First thing on your advertisement, you're like, well, I want maybe, you know, a, a fifteen hand or so mare and um, looking for something between the ages of 10 and, and 20, you know, you could, you, height always seems to come out like in the first things that you, you know, if somebody walks up and says, well, tell me about your horse, you say, oh, you know, he's a, a, a pony and it, it's forefront of our minds. So learning more about height is um, kind of one of those fundamental things that we just need to understand better as, as a horse industry. But on the flip side, height is super important for some key Uh, health conditions in the horse. Um, So, for example, the study that that our our 4-H'ers helped to gather data for uh, later, we uh, combined that with some data that came from some of our friends at the Cornell Vet School, and we learned that with one particular gene for height, those horses were also prone to a condition called roaring. So they would have problems with their airway that would limit their athletic ability, and sometimes make it tough for them to eat without accidentally inhaling food particles.
0: So, does so is the was the gene? Obviously, you said that there's a correlation with that particular gene, but was the gene what were horses on the taller side or the shorter side, or didn't matter in relation to that gene? Do you know what I'm? I don't know if I'm trying to ask that right.
6: Yeah, no, you're asking exactly the right question. And and it was sort of a fun correlation because we were working on height and our vet school colleagues were working on roaring and airway problems. And we met one day and looked at our data and it was just amazing because it immediately pointed to the same spot in the genome, which is like lightning striking twice, right? It was just such a weird thing. But as it turns out, uh if you have two copies of the more common version of that gene, we'll call that the wild type, you'll be of sort of average height. And um the the most specific study we have was done in thoroughbreds. And for a thoroughbred, if you get two copies of the alternative version of this particular gene, you'll be on average three inches taller at the Withers. Wow. So, yeah, so that's not that's not insignificant, right? The difference between sixteen hands and sixteen three that's really like a horse owner says. I can notice that, right? Mm-hmm. So and that taller, that taller version in our thoroughbred study was also at twelve times greater risk for having this airway problem.
0: Wow! So Why? What, what do you? So yeah, so you identify. This is the part I wanted to ask you about because <laughs> this is the thing that I'm always curious about with studying genes. Right? Is you identify that particular one, but then what do you do with it? What, what what's actionable you know this you know it makes them taller you know it affects you know it affects the airway but what can you do with that information
6: <laughs> well that that is the eternal question um what we do is we go and write another grant and we
0: <laughs> we try we try to get our next we keep our finished.
6: job <laughs> yes we try to keep our jobs right um which you know is Uh, Always part of the challenge of being a scientist, unfortunately. Um, But, you know, that story is kind of interesting because roaring and that airway problem is really, really hard to solve. Um, It's the nerve itself starts to break down, that controls your larynx. So people get that disease and they can't speak because for us, we use our larynx mostly for for talking like I'm doing with you now. But for horses, they use their larynx mostly for protecting their airway when they eat so they don't choke, like literally inhale food. Not horses do choke, but it's a little, we use, as horse people use the word a little differently. And so we thought that uh, our hope is, is that now that we understand a little bit more about what genes are causing that condition that maybe we can learn a way to prevent it. Like, is there something that we can do when those horses are young to help to protect that nerve or a way that we can help to maybe reverse the damage? And um, unfortunately those follow-on studies for roaring have not been done. However, I'll tell you, this story has yet one more unexpected twist. Okay. So remember these horses are getting three inches taller and some of our friends in Germany did an additional study where they were looking at uh, OC or, you know, chips in a hawk, right? If you go to the track, you're looking at radiographs, you're looking for things like chips. It's called osteochondrosis. And if it gets really bad, it's called osteochondrosis desiccans. That's when a piece is free floating in the joint. And it happens a lot with young horses, especially those who are growing very rapidly. So our friends in Germany were studying OCD and lo and behold, they found several regions in the genome, but you know what region they found specifically?
0: The same size one? The exact
6: same spot. Uh. The exact same spot. So um, now we have to think about how this region is contributing to growth and potentially to two different health issues in the horse, one to do with airway and one to do with the joints. Now, the fun thing about growth is that we have had excellent research in equine nutrition for decades. I mean, we have phenomenal folks working in equine nutrition, and it's not terribly difficult to use nutrition to help to slow or speed growth. Uh, so one of our follow-on studies we're hoping will we'll get done is to look at horses that might be at risk for OC because we can identify them as soon as they're a foal, you know, as soon as they're born, we can genetically test them. And if they have this large size gene, maybe we can target that foal for a carefully monitored nutrition program to help to slow down his growth and make sure that he grows healthy bones and joints Rather than maybe growing a little bit faster, like his, you know, because if you want to send young horses to the sale, you usually want them to be big and in good condition, right? So we tend to kind of feed them up. But these guys that are at high risk, we might back off on that so as to help to protect their joints in a preventative strategy, and maybe, we don't know, but long-term, if we could follow these horses, you know, five, maybe 10 years down the road, maybe it will also protect their airway. We don't know. We don't know. But it sure would be a lot of fun to get to do that study. So uh, it opens up, you know, we always think about having a gene for for a disease is bad news. And, you know, people hate to hear me come and talk because I'm probably going to tell them they have this horrific, recessive genetic disease <laughs> in their population. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes we get to tell the story where, now that you know what the particular risk is for this horse, because we manage our horses as individuals, now you can use some strategy. And you if you're can lucky, compensate hopefully for avoid it. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: So we've all watched, I will end with this. We all have watched the sci-fi movies. Um, so how far are we away from your, uh, you know, in utero, you're going to test the baby's genome and then you're going to have the magic serum that we, you know, squirt in there in utero so that when the baby comes out, it's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) So that, I mean, yeah, I've watched sci-fi movies. That happens, you know. It's a special
3: drink, a tonic that the horse has to consume. That's what does the, that. The it doesn't horse? have to the be
0: squirted.
6: Yeah, or the owner, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's the problem is, you know, people define perfectly different ways, right? Um, and horses, you know, horse breeding is almost as much an art as it is a science. And people always say, oh, I don't like to do this genetics because, you know, I it's a surprise. This has the fun, right? And I'll say, you know, there's always going to be that. That fun aspect of the game of chance, and there's always new gene combinations that might create excellent horses that we can't anticipate, but we're not too far off from being able to better handle the bad news situations, you know the diseases like uh, lavender foal in the Arabian horse, or um like HYPP and the quarter horse where with some of our new gene editing technologies, we're not far off from being able to say, you know, if you have an excellent stallion and you find out later that he carries a recessive disease and you still want to breed him, and you want to breed a colt to replace them, we're not far off from being able to use our assisted reproductive technologies and a little bit of gene editing to just make sure that if you're going to invest in, say, say you've got a, you know a situation where you're going to end up doing ICSI anyways, right? So ICSI is is where you're going to do some uh, some sperm injection. So you've got a difficult case of bad fertility. You add on to that a little cocktail just to make sure that you're not going to go through all of that investment and in time and money making that. High tech, full, and then have a problem with genetics. Right? We're not hmm. far off from that.
0: Um, See, we are almost at, at sci-fi all. world. We are now. We do are they turn into monsters in and then all kill us after? Because that's the that would be the next progression of the sci-fi movie.
6: Oh, the zombie horses. Yeah. Well, yep. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we won't we won't get there. Okay. Um, too quickly. <laughs> too check. quickly. Maybe maybe they'll all have osteochondrosis. and. <laughs> <laughs> They eat too many brains
0: and they go lame or something, you know. This you know. is fascinating. You know, I, I like having you on because you explained it that even I can understand it because this is very complicated <laughs> stuff and you all have big brains. and. Uh, but it is interesting that, it, you know, you guys are still doing these studies and still trying to find ways to help us in a fundamental way, right? In a cellular way. Uh, so I, I love that, that that's still being done in the horse world. Because we always say, we've done these segments every every Wednesday for 12 years, and horses find more ways to kill themselves. So I'm glad you're out there finding ways to help them from killing themselves. I appreciate that. We're
6: trying. It's a tough job, I'll tell you.
0: (laughs) Dr. Brooks, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, and you have a good holiday.
6: Thanks. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: So that's interesting because obviously you work with all the thoroughbreds, and boy, you see them come off with the with very common problems that they have from the work that they do to the you know the age they all of those things, right? It's, so
3: it, yeah, I, I I had to deal with that this week, so uh, but it's been a frustrating yet uh, you know. <laughs> the, I had one come that's the same age as a different one and they're both completely different soundness level wise, but like mentally they're exactly the same and physically they look the same, but they have so many different issues or non-issues that they have. It's just, uh, yeah. Fascinating.
0: Well, you know, she said that some of this can be helped with feeding the horses the proper thing, and Daily Dose Equine will help you do that. They offer a full line of handcrafted horse feeds to maximize the health and performance of horses and ponies of all ages. Each custom feed has been developed with whole grains and non-GMO ingredients to eliminate the risk of herbicide contamination. They are horse people themselves, and they've seen firsthand the difference that superior nutrition can have in our equine partners. We invite you to learn more about Daily Dose Equine's origins and to find a formula that is perfect for your equine partner at DailyDoseEquine.com. Scooter Eats the Carb Buster, we just got a big bag in, actually, from Chewy. You can get all of their products at Chewy, so you can have them shipped to you for free as well. So check out Chewy for all of the Daily Dose Equine products. Scooter gets about two cups a day, plus hay and free cho- choice of salt, and that's all we have to feed him. So, And he's looking terrific. He's not as fat as he usually was. Yeah. So so uh, check that out, dailydoseequine.com. I have an entry here. Now, it's a 12-days entry, but hang with this one because there's a surprise ending, and Flossie sent this one in.
1: On the first day of Christmas, Scooter gave to Nigel a winded saddle with a flexible tree. On the second day of Christmas, Scooter gave to Nigel Two total saddle fit, leathers, and a Wintik with a flexible tree. On the third day of Christmas, Scooter gave to Nigel Three treat bags from Purina, two total saddle fit, leathers, and a wintake with a flexible tree. On the fourth day of Christmas, Scooter gave to Nigel Four horse for blankets, three tree-packs from Purina, two total saddle-fit leathers, and a Wintek with a flexible tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, Scooter gave to Nigel five helmets from horse-lover C. Four horse blankets, three tree packs from Purina, two total saddle fit leathers, and a Wintek with a flexible tree. On the sixth day of Christmas, Scooter gave to Nigel six bags of Daily Dose feet, five helmets from horse lover sea Four horse blankets, three tree packs from Purina, two total saddle fit leathers, and a Wintek with a flexible tree. On the seventh day of Christmas, Scooter gave to Nigel Seven distance depot bridles, six bags of Daily Dose feed, Five helmets from Horse Leversee. Four horse blankets, three treat bags from Purina, two total saddle fit, leathers, and a Wintek with a flexible tree. On the eighth day of Christmas, Scooter gave to Nigel eight Equidermal horse fries, seven Distance Depot bridles, six bags of Daily Dose feed, five helmets from Horse Loversy. Four horsewear blankets, three treat bags from Purina, two total saddle fit leathers, and a windtack with a flexible tree. On the ninth day of Christmas, Scooter gave to Nigel nothing, because at this point, Glenn was getting credit card balance notifications from his <laughs> card provider. He thought his card had been stolen in a tax shop, because, you know, Jen certainly didn't have anything to do with this. And then he froze the card in a panic. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, y'all. <laughs>
0: That was oh. Flossie. <laughs> that's funny. I got to that and I went, oh, yeah, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, it is amazing. People listen to our commercials. She hit about every sponsor we've had. I was going to
3: say, I mean, <laughs> she even mentioned Daily Dose and you just did that.
0: <laughs> so, and then I also think, you know, 12 days is hard when you're singing the normal thing, right? And have to remember the words. How many takes did that take, I, Flossie? I am exhausted.
3: <laughs> I'm going to be honest, father, I'm exhausted. And I didn't even sing it. <laughs>
0: Well done, well done. That's pretty cool. Before we get to weird news, you have an update for us.
3: I do, I do. Um, I haven't updated y'all on my little Philly Effie. Effie is my Oldenburg filly that was born this year. Uh, to the a expensive myriad. one,
0: the expensive one. Uh, yeah, yeah,
3: that one. A myriad of problems. I ended up losing her. Damn, she. It's just it was a mess. She broke her knee and had to put a screw in. the like make the decision, live or die, put a screw in it for a million dollars or don't. And I opted for the screw into the knee. Uh, so we've been having to do follow-up radiographs every I'll say month, but it's really more like two weeks. Chad is over there. Uh, every month <laughs> I've had to do these follow-ups and, uh, they've been tracking the progress of the bone remodeling and where the screw is sitting. And, uh, I had the, my regular vet come out and she's like, he wants to, the surgeon wants to take the screw back out. And I was like, that sounds like you just walk up to it with a drill and back it up. But I'm, I'm assuming it's not like that. She was like, no. So she'd have to be hospitalized. They would have to do it. They have to do the bandages again. <laughs> yeah. Take the screw out. It could mess up oh, with no. some ligaments and tendons. We got to make sure that the bone is in the right place. And I'm like, but wouldn't have this like long hole in it? Well, no, the butt'll fill in. And I'm like, and when does that happen? How many more days of stall rest do I have to do? And how many thousands of dollars am I going to spend at the clinic? So all of that, my regular vet took the X-rays, sent them to the surgeon. I met with the surgeon yesterday. I'm like, how's it going? He's like, good. How are you? I'm like, J- stop the talk. What are we doing? He goes, looks great. I don't think you have to take the screw out at all. That thing is totally fine. He was like, if we take the screw out, it's gonna co- potentially cause more problems. And there's no problems with the screw in there right now, so I think you're fine. <laughs> I was like, like, yes. Wait, what? What did you say? <laughs> yeah, we're good. Can you repeat that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me I don't have to spend more money.
3: <laughs> One time, like I'm a knock on wood, I feel like it's like a a gift and a blessing because I was already like, oh god, how am I gonna do this? It's like I had no idea this was gonna. Oh my gosh! And he's like, my veterinarian, what you know? She's like, because Effie now leads and picks up her feet and has had her feet trimmed a couple times and. She's like, go ahead and walk her. I took her for a walk, and she's like, let's see if we can get her to trot. Effie's like, no, I just walk. Uh, so I had to turn her out. We had to like, she, it, Zeus is her her pasture mate, and so I made Zeus trot, and then Effie goes trotting off, and and my vet's jaw just dropped. She's like, oh, surgery. Is a good thing. Like, I mean, it's amazing. Like, she's a, am knock on wood. She's moving amazing, even with having the screw in her carpus. And so, uh, the the great news yesterday. So, yay! I'm celebrating. Oh, I'm today. so happy. You can Thank afford to you. buy a new
0: string of lights now.
3: I <laughs> know. I've already spent on the last surgery. You want presents or lights, Glenn?
0: <laughs> I'm happy though. God, that's the last thing you needed right now. Yeah. Right before the uh, holidays, we're going to send it in for another $100,000.
3: Yeah, exactly. So I'm just really, really, really grateful. You know, you were asking last night, uh, uh, kind of the year-end wrap-up of what we were... You know, just kind of a year-end wrap up of comments and I guess you know not to be like Templeton Thompson, I'm just grateful. You know, uh, this year has thrown so many of us so many crazy things and we've all lost horses and or we've lost friends or we've lost you know our sanity and uh, you know to make it to the end of this and and have family and friends and 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 horses and loved ones and all of that, I'm just I'm just grateful for all of that. That being said, you know what I'm I'm not grateful for. I actually, what I am also grateful for. What's that? Is all the people that send me stories to
2: read. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News.
3: And this week, I would like to thank Glenn, who's now sending me stories that I'm already reading. You don't have to do that, duh. <laughs> uh, it's my news feed. <laughs> now started subscribing to the news I get and then he's sending me news. Well,
0: just in case you missed it. Just in case you missed it. You can keep going. That's, That's my that. subtle hint that I really want you to do this one this week. <laughs> I,
3: I got that. Um So Glenn, Ellen, Alyssa, Nikki, Laureen, Eileen, and Debbie all sent me weird news stories. If you are reading the news wherever you get it and you see a story and you're like, that is super weird. You want to email that to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news and the subject. Line. What you don't want to do is send bad ads to that address. Okay? Weekly, I get tons of them. So, send those to Jennifer at network.com to get them counted. I forward as many as I can to her, but I sometimes I miss them, and I don't want you guys to be mad at me for your ad not getting counted or something. So, that's ads, really bad ads. Jennifer at network.com. Weird News, Jamie at network.com. All right. So, let's start with... Uh, a pair of Birkenstocks. How much is a pair of Birkenstocks, those sandals, cost? Depends. If like like you buy them bucks? at the
0: beach in Florida, they're probably 100 bucks.
3: Okay, yeah. <laughs> $100 bucks for a pair of Birkenstocks. How much would you pay for worn secondhand
0: Birkenstocks? Uh,
3: $0. How much would you pay for secondhand worn a Birkenstocks that were owned by Steve Jobs?
0: Um, $0. <laughs> 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 well, you are not like the person who I, paid. I hate Apple. So there you go. <laughs> $218,750.
3: Wow. Somebody just paid for Steve Jobs used nasty, gross sandals. But uh, some they were selling it as like many pivotal moments in Apple's history were created while Steve I, Jobs was wearing these
0: sandals. I don't sandals. get the celebrity buy their stuff like that thing. I just don't get it. I'm not that person.
3: Well, see, like uh, Michael Jordan's 1980 uh, for my uh, airships that were war- worn in 1984 just sold for 1.47 million a year ago, and then Kanye West's black Nikes from the 2018 Grammys. Some idiot paid 1.8 million dollars for those. <laughs> But in the Steve Jobs uh, sandals being sold. Apparently, they only sold for two grand last year, so that's a pretty good. Oh, that's pretty right good there. profit though for
0: the guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
3: they sold them, and uh, one of the most common questions was, because they Why? are listed as heavy wear. Mm. Most questions were, do they smell? And <laughs> the person who sold them answered, they do smell, of success. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's funny
3: so you're at an art gallery you're outside the window and you look inside and you're like oh my gosh that person is having a problem there's a woman at a computer slumped over with her face like in some soup and she is where she's wearing yellow hoodie black pants her hair is draped all around her face and she's passed out call the police so the police come and they bust into the Laz Emporium in London and they rush down the stairs to grab a woman that is a, a dummy <laughs> it's an art display <laughs> yes some idiot made an art display of a woman who is sleeping at her computer desk She's wearing tennis shoes and a yellow hoodie, and she slumped face forward in a bowl of soup. Her blonde hair is concealing her face. The police swarmed in, grabbed her, and they're like, oh, wait, this is foam. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, this is not the first time that this particular installation, which is in the gallery window, has caused trouble. In October, paramedics were called to assist the
0: woman. (laughs) The thing is, it's in the window. So I think, you know, that's where the police make a
3: note. Just just. Hang up on him.
0: Yeah. We're never going to that art, art uh, display yeah. again.
3: You know, I still have that burning desire to break a Guinness Book of World Records record. And uh, a woman living in Ireland did just that. That's right. Rachel Schmidt. Is a U.S. Uh, uh, she's an American woman who moved to Dublin earlier this year, and she w- was decided she too wanted to break a Guinness Book of World Record. So she went looking uh, through the record books of attempt like things she could possibly attempt, and she said this one stood out for me. I think this record is a great combination of speed and strategy, and it matches my skill set well. What was the uh, Guinness Book of World Records record that she was trying to break, Glenn?
0: I'm afraid to ask.
3: That's right. (laughs) She put on 19 pairs of underpants in 30 seconds (laughs) to break the previous world record of 17. How does one put on 19 pairs of underwear in 30 seconds? She had them. There's a video, of course on the Guinness World Records twi- Twitter account or whatever, and she's lined up all these pairs of underbirds. She jumps forward and pulls them up, jumps forward, pulls them up, jumps forward pulls them up. Bah, bah, bah. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's ridiculous. And now you're known as that person who put on 19. I, and I hate the P word, but I'm going to say it. Schmidt was able to don 19 pairs of panties in the allotted time. God, I hate that word. That's my least favorite word.
0: <laughs> it's worth some moist.
3: Oh, I don't care about moist. Okay. <laughs> Put that together with moist and the p-word I hate.
0: Oh, gross! I'm gonna vomit. We're, we'll change the topic. Let's move on.
3: All right. So let's end up. Where are we gonna end up, Glenn? Uh, Oklahoma. No. 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 We're gonna end in <laughs> Spring Hill, Florida. How far is Spring Hill, Florida, from you, Glenn? I have no idea. It's Hernando County, and there's a a fire. A police car spontaneously, just before 5 p.m. on Wednesday, caught on fire. Uh, The sheriff's office. That's Tampa, by the way, Tampa area. Yeah, 911 calls. There's an SUV on fire in an apartment parking lot near Northcliff Boulevard in Spring Hill. And when fire crews arrived, they were, yes, able to extinguish the fire. It is a big sheriff's SUV Ah, uh, Fernando County or whatever county—I uh, can't see the f- beginning because it's on fire in this photos. Hernando County. Uh, so what? What happened here, Glenn? What? What happened? Why is this on fire? Well, here's the thing. it's on fire in a parking lot and they found like a big pile of trash underneath the gas tank that had been lit on fire and then they caught the gas tank on fire and then like another car next to it caught on fire and so they they have this whole like fire thing going on. Well, here's what happened. 48-year-old Anthony Thomas Tarduno approached detectives during the fire and said, hey, y'all, I did that excuse excuse me yeah, see what what had happened was see I was at a bar on North Cliff and I was drinking and I left a little before four thirty and while I was walking, I noticed that the patrol vehicle I you know what? I'm gonna catch that on fire. I really want to. I really want to light that on fire. And so what I did is I went to a nearby dumpster and I grabbed a bag of garbage and then I put that trash underneath the car and then I used my lighter to set it on fire. And then I felt bad, so I came back to confess. Um, to be fair, I was drunk, and um, when I'm drunk, ready for this quote. When I'm drunk, I do stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> Was cooperative with the investigation, <laughs> even telling detectives, you know what? I'm a professional arsonist and I have been arrested for similar offenses. And I also did not um, target it the- because it was a police car. I- you know what? Any car that'd be parked there, I'd just set on fire. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go boy. that was a good day
3: <laughs> you know I don't care what kind of car it is I'm just gonna lie. Really, I'm a professional and I'd like to light that on park.
0: <laughs> maybe Alcoholics Anonymous for that guy would be a good bet. I do I'm... stupid
3: things when I'm drunk <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm gonna keep getting drunk. <laughs>
3: Come on, do <dude>. stupid things.
0: <laughs> Thanks everybody for submitting. We really appreciate it. Remember, two days left to get your entries in for this saddle drawing. It has to be done by the end of the day on the 15th. So whenever you're listening to that, the 15th. End of the day on the 15th. Uh hang on, auditors. We're gonna have a bit of a post-show here for you, a little bit anyway. And uh that's it for today. We'll be back on Friday with our last. Really Bad Ads of the Year on Friday. It's going to be it. The last one. All right,
3: everybody. Spay, neuter, and guilt.
0: Record your really bad ads. We don't want to do any work. We just play all of yours.